Welcome to the 52nd episode of Dialgica, a podcast between two friends about the latest in politics, society, and feminism in Indonesia and the world. I'm Sweden Lee. Stephanie's still out, so for this week, I've had the pleasure of an amazing and inspiring conversation with Rocky Intan, a longtime friend and supporter of Dialgica. He is currently getting his master's degree in public policy in Columbia University in New York City. This episode was originally planned for June as it was Pride Month here in America, and I talked to Rocky about his experience living as an out gay man here in America and comparing that to the situation back home. We talk a lot about the power of pride and the power of coming out, including the nuances of that experience, in particular when discussing the financial implications, the social implications, and obviously the relational implications when you come out. Rocky and I also talk about, even though you might claim to be progressive or liberal, it might not necessarily mean you're as open-minded to LGBTQ culture or to non-heteronormative culture as you think you are. And I hope our conversation about how we can fight for a more progressive society that is much more open-minded and actually inclusive, not just on paper, but actually welcoming different identities, different opinions, and really empathizing and relating to them at a human level. Not politicizing the identity, but really reclaiming the idea of being a true progressive and fighting for a more just and equal society. Also, shout out to La Pop here in Washington, D.C. for being open during basically a monsoon um, when we were recording this. So all that background noise is everyone here in D.C. trying to hide from the rain. I'm really excited for this episode and I can't wait to share with you guys. So without further ado, here's to it. Excited to have one of our friends here at Dialogica, Rocky Intan, to be on the show. Hello. Can you introduce yourself, Rocky? Hi, everyone. My name is Rocky. I'm currently in DC for internship, but I go to school in Columbia, New York. What do you go to school for? Uh, I go to school for public policy and economics. What are you doing here in DC? <laughs> I'm interning at the US ASEAN Business Council. Cool. I work mostly on Indonesia, Brunei, and infrastructure. We'll have to have you back on when we're talking about Asian business interests and stuff with <laughs> But right now, uh, for our listeners, this episode was supposed to be planned for June when it's Pride Month here in America. But hmm. there was, you know, there was a World Cup happening. We were on break. <laughs> there are many, many reasons why That's we couldn't exactly. Like the straits, like, you know. <laughs> Stamping on us gays. Oh my god, it's very I'm familiar. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm <So>. kidding. <laughs> but you know, we're really excited now to have Rocky here mm-hmm. um, talking about his experience being out. And you know, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about pride in general and what it means to you as an Indonesian living in America right now, and an Indonesian who's lived in Indonesia as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and how old are you now? I'm 27. Cool. So, like, you know, you, you've lived formative years in both parts. I that think. actually is true. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think as a disclaimer, I have not talked very much to people in America about what pride means to them. Uh, but the impression that I got was that for most LGBTs, I think pride is something that is to be celebrated. Um, something that is fun, something to show 
of their identities um, but I feel that a lot of them take that for granted in the sense that for me personally coming from Indonesia seeing that you can march on the streets you know being proud and open about your identity and having uh, religious organizations supporting you at the streets and even corporate sponsors yeah. at pride they might be capitalistic i mean they're most definitely they're are, most but they're most definitely are but, but like it i think it shows how much the society here has progressed in a progressive liberal way that corporate sponsors feel that they need to do that in pride Yeah. It's unthinkable for corporates to do that in, in Jakarta. Even Jakarta, I think supposedly the most liberal place in Indonesia, or um, even more unthinkable is the organizations. Like I saw a lot of churches mm-hmm. um, during Pride. That's very heartwarming for me. And even more heartwarming was seeing families like grandmothers, you know, uh, dads and moms coming for their kids, and you know, daughters and sons coming for their parents. Um, that must be something that is very cliche, I think, for a lot of Americans. But coming from a country where we have a lot of, you know, illegal rates to uh, private apartments, um, that was pretty um, lovely and heartwarming for me personally. But I feel that like a lot of my friends in America, some of them, have a different perspective as well because, especially those who are politically engaged. For them, I think Pride is more than just an event where you can get, I don't know, a bit festive and get drunk. <laughs> I think the Trump era is where you can actually stand up for what is right. Mm-hmm. And I think I think for them, that, that resonates more. Yeah. What's also interesting is I feel like in Indonesian culture, and maybe similarly American culture, part of being able to be more out in society hmm. is seeing people who are out in popular culture. Yes, like you know, in America, yes. the the most quoted example is like seeing Ellen DeGeneres in her show actually coming out right, right. as a lesbian, and so because you see somebody that has a show has a national platform right. coming out and being proud of that identity, you feel more encouraged to be out right. and or be supportive of people who are out. Right. In Indonesia, there's not necessarily that, but it's interesting because Indonesian popular culture has elements yeah, that, that exactly. are, for the lack of a better word, more. Compatible, compatible. With LGBT yeah, culture. Yeah, I, I, I can't. No, it's not like it's not outright <laughs> LGBT culture. But you know, there's there's drag in comedy shows, right? And in the shows in general. Although you know, obviously there are some problematic things with that. You know, exactly. It can yeah. be demeaning. Yeah, but it's not like they've never seen somebody who is non-heterosexual. Yes. Yes. Or, or does not behave in a heteronormative way. Yes. So, do you think there is an opportunity in Indonesia if Popular culture can break that barrier a little bit more subtly or not. Is there more chance of people being more comfortable in Indonesia I with f- LGBT uh, culture? This obviously just my pet theory, but I feel that pop culture in America has a huge role in making the popular imagination of the general populace yeah. be more accepting towards LGBTs. And as you mentioned, mm-hmm. the coming out of the generous and various representation of LGBTs yes. in various American TV shows mm-hmm. play a huge role on that. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's what's worrying me the most about Indonesia because, you know, independent of the recent trend in religious conservatism on our fundamentalism in Indonesian politics, I do sense that there is a general 
trend towards more conservatism in Indonesian popular culture. Like in general. In general. Like okay. in the past, as you mentioned, you've seen like Bojo Gamalama. Yeah. Know, drag shows who are entertaining, who are problematic, as you say. They portray drag shows as you know, drag queens and drag shows as somewhat of a oh a guy who plays a woman cross dressing is oh a funny guy entertainers mm-hmm. like there are problematic aspects on that to be sure but at least there is space there is space for LGBT performers in the popular culture to showcase their drag their yeah. show mm-hmm. you know um, and I feel that that could have helped Indonesians understand what LGBTs are mm-hmm. because I think. A lot of what we need is an impetus of what LGBTs are. I remember, for example, going from my own personal experience, mm-hmm. um, my brother, I, one of my best decisions in my life, you know, is coming out to my brother who is straight. Mm-hmm. And Older or younger? He's younger. younger. Uh, he's okay. younger. And I feel that I remember he's trying to connect with me through Glee. That was a horrible, <laughs> problematic, and like um, weird show, honestly. Yeah. But... I remember how that show, even though that that show probably does not obviously represent what I believe in or what I am, um, it does help my brother and it starts the conversation with me and him mm-hmm. of what LGBTs are. So like, oh yeah, uh, I'm not, I'm like this, I'm not this, I'm like this. That helps a lot in my own personal experience, and I feel that having that space for LGBT performers mm-hmm. could have helped. And this is worrying because I don't have any data on this, but I feel that. It's very rare for me nowadays to see a movie or a TV show in Indonesia where the story was not about a girl who is like I don't know. There's a movie recently, right, about about an Indonesian girl who went abroad and she has to you know pick this handsome Western guy and this mm-hmm. you know religious guy from home in, in Indonesia. It's like there's always a conservative religious message behind them yeah. and. And this sort of way, it's, it, I think it suddenly erases a lot of LGBT performances in popular culture. Mm-hmm. We don't see much nowadays. And I think that's a worrying trend, honestly. When, when exactly did you come out, if, if you don't mind me asking? Um, so oh. I came out in different stages, okay. I would say. Which I, is an interesting point as well, right? Like, you yeah. don't come out and then you're out. <laughs> right, yeah. I, mean, I think I wrote this great article. Like, you don't come out once. You come out every time. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't shout out to everybody that you're out. Yeah. Like, for example, for me, for myself personally, I came out to my parents when I was way younger, when I was in... Um, was it high school or middle school? I think middle school. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and they were not very cool about it. They were not very happy. They were sad. And I was very different back then. Yeah. I actually believe their work that I had to change for them to be straight. I have to cure myself to be straight. Wow. And that was way back when. And I came out to my friends in college. I came out to my brother in college as well. And then I'm out in, at work, you know, stuff like that. So it's very different mm-hmm. for people. Some people don't even have this privilege to be to come out. Yeah. Some people are actually outed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's even worse. So, did you find that 
as you came out multiple times to right. different kinds of people, different right. kinds of audiences, right. do you feel like you have to do it in different ways? Definitely, definitely. I think I think the best way of coming out is not is do it in your own terms and also doing it based on your audience. Like for example, my brother, I do it one on one on one, and we use a lot of jokes yeah. <laughs> when we came out, and I think he was more receptive because of that. Mm-hmm. And to my friends, I did it in a more serious way. I think it depends on the audience. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. When I talked to my parents, I was. Way more um, clueless about it. I just came out like I just blurted it out basically, and they were very sad. There were a lot of tears. Uh, I mean, it was yeah. also your first coming out experience yeah, to, yeah. at that point in your life, probably the most important people. Yeah, I feel that when I was first coming out to my parents, I was a very different person back then. Yeah, I was I was religious for you know um, you know <laughs> I was very religious and I tried not to be gay. And um, it was very difficult for me because my parents were very sad and I believed them that I was a disappointment, I was a failure for being gay. Mm -hmm. And there were like several periods where I I was actually in, what do you call that? The pray away the gay? Uh, Conversion conversion therapy. therapy. I was actually in in a conversion therapy for two two years, three years. In Indonesia? In Indonesia. It was was a pseudo-psychological where they brought me every once a week or two week, one, twice a week to this therapist and we talked about it and, and she would ask me to recite this like line so Rocky you are a real man you will be attracted to women you know stuff like that that went on for like two years and, and, and like, that didn't do anything to me <laughs> and obviously and but then it, you're really good at saying those lines <laughs> like yeah I'm wrong yeah, like, like that. that didn't do anything to me and um, looking back, I was actually very surprised. I wasn't very scarred <laughs> Maybe I am, but I didn't know it. Um, but I, I think at one point I stopped. Like, there's no point in doing this because mm-hmm. I think I am this way. Yeah. You know? And I talked to my parents. Okay, no way. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. This has to stop. You have to accept me. This is who I am. And that happened. My parents didn't. My parents were very cool about it. They were still very sad, um, and my mom is still very sad about it. So was my dad. But I think we have achieved this. You know, don't ask, don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. We're, we're cool. You know. Yeah. But uh, deep down, I think my parents still wish that I marry to a girl and have kids. You mm-hmm. know, and give them like cute babies <laughs> but which can still happen which, even which can still happen <laughs> but uh, you can't adopt in Indonesia yeah and uh, okay. so that was a very different thing that's a different audience mm-hmm. and coming out to your parents when you're young uh, yeah I just got lucky honestly yeah like my parents didn't like didn't own me I came out before I was financially independent mm-hmm. I will always suggest to anyone to come out because I think nothing liberates you better than coming out and nothing changes the person's, uh, you know, somebody who you cares the most, uh, their opinion when then when you coming out. Yeah, I feel so. I think coming out is a very strong, and effective and small. I have to say, response to actually fighting this conservative tide. I gotta say, but I will always say that okay, you gotta do it because you're you're in Jakarta, Indonesia. You have to do it when you are financially independent. Mm. Uh, because I've heard some, you know, sad stories, tragic stories of my friends who came out, and 
when they're still in school and their parents kick them out, just cut just them off, right? cut them off. This is horrible. That's actually a really good point about the financial implications, right? And people don't think about that a lot in Western culture where it's more accepting, right? But in Indonesia, like yeah, I've heard stories where people come out when they're much older, you know, like yeah, in their thirties or forties, right. where they feel like they have a handle on their own lives, they control right. their finances, right? They're not dependent on anybody in particular, and it's it's really sad to hear that sometimes for people. The choice of coming out means also having to sever a relationship with your family. Yes, exactly. And obviously, we don't want any of that to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Another aspect I would like to add on that is that I feel that in a cruel capitalist society, we have to show people that we matter, yeah, um, regardless of our identity. Yeah. In the sense that, okay, if you want to fire me because I'm gay, that will be your cost. I want to like my experience is that. I want to be so good that when you fire me because I'm gay, it's going to be your loss. Mm-hmm, so in mm-hmm. that sense, if you come out at an unstrategic time, that would be dangerous as a whole. Mm-hmm. Because okay, you just come out when you're you're already secure. Yeah. Which is why I think coming out and when and how to do it is a very personalized event. There's no one way of doing it. I would suggest everybody to do it eventually. But in my in my opinion. You gotta do it when you're financially independent. I mean, there are people as well who I can biasly say that they are they can come out at, at the moment, but they choose not to for the other personal reasons. I respect that, but I would definitely encourage them to do it. It almost sounds like it's this idea of owning your coming out, right? You don't want to let your family or your career be the ones that determine whether or not you come. Yeah, out. yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I feel that the closer you are to the person as well that you come out to, the better the implications yeah. might be if the person opens up positively. Mm-hmm. Like as I mentioned earlier, one of my best decisions is coming out to my younger brother, who is very close to me, who is yeah. my best friend. I came out to him twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, I guess. So uh, four or five years. Four or five ago. years. I've really seen how he his views evolve. Yeah, and I think. There's nothing more gratifying than that. It's seeing somebody who was previously close-minded, and because he cares about you, he tries to learn about how he can help you. Mm-hmm. That's very heartwarming for me, honestly. You know, I I was somebody who was making fun of gay right. people, right, and had no conception of what it means. To consider that identity as a full-fledged human being, right? Until I met people, until I had, you know, really exactly. amazing friendships exactly. with people, and really got to know them, and now I can proudly say I'm an ally. I will yes. do everything I can to help support yes. the community. But that took time. That took so that much took time. So much time. And it's not something that you can learn in any scenario. It's not like something they'll teach you in school yeah. or through popular culture. It's something you have to almost discover within yourself and find right. out. How you're gonna make this work? How you're right. gonna be a better human being? I think you brought up a very good point. The point of empathy, because mm-hmm. I think empathy and being liberal is not, in my experience, always coincide. Yeah. Like if I can tell, if I can speak about this experience, for example, in high school, um, I remember coming out in high school in my last year in high school. I remember that when I came out, I was actually not coming out. I actually was outed, but okay, let's talk about it later. Okay, <laughs> but I was actually I was actually outed. But uh, one thing I remember was that, so I have religious friends and 
so-called quote-unquote liberal friends, mm-hmm. people who I expected to be much more cool about this, more progressive, progressive right? ones. But turns out when I came out to them, by progressive I mean like they're much more, they're less religious. Yeah. They are more open-minded towards, let's say, popular culture, which mm-hmm. is, I think, a very skewed and weird way of saying it. But I would expect my quote progressive friends to be more open about me. Yeah. But actually, after I came out to them, they actually kicked me out of the really. Friendship. And I remember vividly the people who actually accepted me are my religious friends. Wow. People who, who you wouldn't expect to actually. Uh, accept you when you and embrace gay, you and yeah. embrace you. This I think that point uh, brings home that I think it's much more important when you actually have empathy compared mm-hmm. to just like the outward appearance that you are open minded. I think being able to empathize even though you have different points of view are much more important than that. The point about knowing someone and being able to empathize with them mm-hmm. is an important aspect of being an ally. I mean, your point about empathy is so important right now because in popular culture and politics, both in America and Indonesia, and honestly, in most parts of the world, <laughs> empathy has no place, right? It's, it almost seems like a point of weakness rather than a point of strength to be able to find grounds for empathy with each other right? without it being politicized. I think empathy these days is very much politicized. Like, oh, you empathize with that person, you must agree with them wholeheartedly, <laughs> and you're like the worst person ever. When in fact, empathy is about recognizing the person in front of you as a full-fledged human being. Right. Certainly with opinions of their own that might not be the same as you, but you can relate with them. Right. At a right. human level, right? It's not about politics. Right. I think it is amazingly important that you said that just because you're a liberal, just because you're progressive, doesn't necessarily mean you're more okay. Right. You might right. be on paper liberal or progressive, but if you don't actually walk the talk, right. then you're no better than people who shun the LGBTQ community. Like, you're as close-minded as them. I think being empathetic is independent of your political inclinations. Right. And being narrow-minded is independent of your political inclinations. You exactly. can't be narrow-minded and liberal. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and progressive, yeah. you know. Yeah. Don't take it for granted that just because you feel yes. progressive, that you are progressive. Yeah. I've always talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, a lot of liberals, uh, progressives in America or Indonesia are concentrated in cities. Yeah. Like, I think we need to be more diverse. Yes. Like we need to out, we need to reach more people who are not in urban areas, basically. And second of all, I think we need to have more liberals in the sense that we need to be better in outreach. And I joke once that, you know what? I think progressive in Indonesia need to have more children. <laughs> because like in the sense that people who are progressives usually have their own agency among themselves and they don't want to have children, they want to have something else. Just would be okay. But I think the world would be a better place if progressive parents raise more progressive kids. And we have a new generation coming up. Yes, exactly. But yeah I think Because the other side is definitely having more kids. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I feel that there's a way as well of us help these conservative fundamentalist children to have more open views, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's going to be easier and better if we actually raise progressive kids yeah. and progressive, you know, generations. Mm-hmm. And 
we simply can't take it for granted that the next generation will be much more progressive than the current one. That's definitely true. And I'm pretty sure our generation noticed that friend of yours who was cool now, you know, she has a lot of problematic um, WhatsApp messages, WhatsApp messages, stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, I think can't um, take it for granted. Yeah, the fight has to go on yeah. in your own way, mm-hmm. in your own personal way. Mm-hmm. You cannot take for granted that being liberal is a is a given right. Yeah. Certainly in Indonesia, that's not always true. Yeah. We've we've both lived through times when being progressive and liberal is not a given right. Yes. Yes. Right. Definitely. Like democracy is still a fairly new thing here in Indonesia. <laughs> it's still new. Like, like what? real democracy. Ninety eight. Yeah. It's very years. recent. It's very recent. We've lived through a time of dictatorship. Yeah. I was seven. Uh, when Suharto, happened. Yeah. When Suharto came down. Yeah. So. I think my I think the same with you. Yep. Our political consciousness was not exactly awake, awoken, woke <laughs> by that time. So yeah, definitely. Same like the country, right? The country's political consciousness was not it has a very short history. Yes. Right. Yes. And Indonesia's experience with democracy, with progressive culture and politics is still very young. And yes. So in many ways we can't expect it. To catch up that quickly with other places, right. and at the same time, we can't also be like, okay, you're fine. Yeah. The fact that you're here is okay. We, you know, we gotta aim higher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think in the, I think that's a very good point. I don't want this point to make us complacent. Yes. But we have achieved a lot, honestly. We have. From uh, 45, 65, and then 98, yeah. you know, stuff like that. If you actually look at America or France, like the time of the French Revolution and the time that they actually get like universal suffrage. And the time that America was independent, and the time that America extends voting rights yeah. for every citizen of America, that's a far gap. Hundreds of years. Hundreds of, hundreds of years. And you know, we have achieved a lot. Come so a long way. We, have, we actually have come a long way if we actually look at the experiences of other countries. Yeah. I think another viewpoint, another way of progressives, especially people who listen to this, is that I hope you're all progressives. <laughs> It'll be really weird if we actually had conservatives listen to this, but if you are, you should reach out. I, I, I want to know why. <laughs> Maybe they want to change their mind and empathize. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, I think a lot of overseas Indonesians who live abroad, unless a migrant worker, yeah. you know, um, they tend to be um, they tend to skew towards being progressive mm-hmm. and being financially privileged. Yes. And I think if you want um, the progressive movement to flourish in Indonesia, like we need to think about actually coming back. I mean, mm-hmm. I definitely will come back to Indonesia at some point mm-hmm. after my school. Again, as a disclaimer, I'm not forcing anybody to come back. I mean, like everybody has their own right to their own security and their own happiness and their responsibility to be where they want to be. Yes, uh, according to their choice, but. You know, my point, uh, what I was saying, when I was saying that um, progressives need to have more children, you know, when I joke about that, I was half joking because, like, we actually do need more progressives in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And the way to do that is actually call people who are progressives abroad to actually come back to Indonesia, yeah. even though that might not automatically lead to the progressive movement, um, you know, to be helped in any way, but... There will be more opportunities for the progressive movement in Indonesia to flourish if there are actually more progressives in Indonesia. You know, if you're progressive outside of Indonesia, then you also have different viewpoints, right? You've experienced what it's like to be progressive in other societies, and you you become more creative about it. Right. And you bring back 
the ideas and right. you let it flourish in the community. I think in any opportunity to have more diverse opinions, more diverse ways, mm. more creative ways to tackle these long-standing social political issues mm. is always for the better. And right. I definitely agree. You know, I'm I'm currently in the state, but I don't honestly at this point in my life I don't necessarily see myself staying here. For the long term, certainly not in Trump's America. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Trump's America doesn't want me here. But that's the thing, right? Like, it's not about forcing anybody to make <clears throat> life choices that they don't want to make. Right. But it is something to consider. I don't think enough Indonesians within the diaspora in right. the world think right. about this enough. And again, not forcing anything. Right. I mean, like, that's a good point. Food right? for thought. Like, I acknowledge my position here being able to speak about this openly because I am not in Indonesia at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes that, not sometimes, overseas Indonesians usually have a safer space to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And when we, for example, pontificate or lecture to Indonesians on how Indonesia should be, um, progressives overseas or abroad would definitely have a better chance or would definitely have a better credibility when they are actually in Indonesia. Like, experiencing what it means to live in Indonesia rather than living like abroad or mm-hmm. your whole life and then like, pontificate to the country what you should be doing. Yeah, This is something to think about. Like, again, I'm not trying to force everybody who is abroad to come back. I'm just saying that this is something that Indonesians who are abroad should think about if they want to make a better Indonesia. Yes. And as you've said earlier, right, like we've come as a country, as a young democracy, we've come such a long way. Right. At this opportunity right now, which again, it's not the best situation in Indonesia right now, right. but it is not the worst. We've seen the worst. Right. And what's more important is that there is great potential and opportunity right. for the next generation. Even yeah. I feel next generation. We're not that old. <laughs> Our generation. Um, <laughs> And even like people older than us, right. there's an opportunity to fight for diversity, fight for inclusion, fight for progressive ideas. There's a space there. There's a, there's a and we need people to fill that yeah. space. Otherwise, it's gonna it's gonna die. Right. That space is gonna like shrink. Right. You know, think about your friends in the country who actually want to move abroad. Maybe they can't, but maybe you can help them by moving back to Indonesia. I don't know. Just like. I'm just trying to. I'm just saying out loud here. <laughs> like mm-hmm. maybe it's maybe it's some maybe it's better if we think about how can I help Indonesia from within Indonesia itself. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Rocky, for being here. Happy to be here. Appreciate mm-hmm. your thoughts, and you know we look forward to having more conversations like this in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find more information and resources of whatever we talked about on our website, delica.id. Music credits to John Dealey, Lee Rosevere, and of course, Broke for Free. If you like what you hear and want to support us, please review our podcast on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. And please share our podcast with your friends. It's the best way to spread the word about Dialogica. If you want to get more involved, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is dialogicapodcast at gmail.com or just shoot us a message on our Facebook page. You can also find us on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and our Twitter. Please follow us in these various platforms. Our Twitter handle is at 
Dialogica Pod. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's Steph Tank. That's S-T-E-P-H-T-A-N-G-K. Thank you again, and see you guys next time. Bye!